Realtor. Agent Immobilier. Estate Agent. Whatever the f*** you'd like to be called. You're listening to the 5% Podcast. The most satisfying hour of your week. Bringing you business insights, coaching, stories, and actionable advice from the best brains in the business. Hosted by Ben Moore. Not the one with the beard? Yes, the one with the beard. Every Monday morning from 7 a.m., pull up a seat, grab a soda, tea, notepad and let's level up your career the five percent podcast showcasing high performance globally so i'm going to start today's podcast by taking you back to the mid stages of last week specifically wednesday so last week was a bit of an unusual week anyway i was here there and everywhere for one reason or another that i won't bore you with on a podcast But Wednesday was a standout day because I found myself back in my home city of Manchester. Now, I travelled back not to see uh, school friends or family or anything like that. I went back for an event. So we had this uh, sort of gathering where we got around 40 independent agents from all over the country, both inside and outside of EXP, to come together, to collaborate, to find community, to share ideas and best practice and just learn from each other so we can all go ahead, take something to implement into our business and help us achieve our goals. It was a really sort of wonderful, wholesome day. And at this point, I need to shout out very quickly a guy called Ian Wynne-Jones, Don't worry, I'm going to get stuck into the nuts and bolts of today's podcast fairly soon, but Ian definitely deserves a pat on the back. Now, Ian is one of my business partners, somebody that I feel incredibly lucky to be connected with, someone who's high energy, um, somebody who is a pleasure to chat to and compare notes with at the best of times. Um, Ian's got a fantastic business. He's partnered with EXP, but covers North Wales. He's got great market share, doing great things for his community, um, making tons of money, building a great business for himself and his little man, Leo. But as important as any of those financial or market share metrics, Ian is just a genuinely good bloke. He's got his heart in the right place and is one of those people that will selflessly do anything to help anyone. And last week, Ian showed that not just with his words, but with his actions, because Ian arranged this entire day off his own back. He was under no pressure or any obligation to do so. Um, It had really no intrinsic benefit to him or his business or money that he stands to make. It did it to help other agents across our network and other agents across the country that might need a bit of support. It did it not just at his own time, but at his own expense. So Ian put his hand in his pocket and invested a substantial amount into hosting this event um, at the Hilton Hotel in Deansgate. So I just think that that needs acknowledging. Not everyone would be willing or able to go ahead and do that. And the fact that Ian took the initiative with no hidden agenda, just purely to help other people, I think says a ton about who he is as a person and his character. So Ian, um, props for you to arrange in that. I personally had a fantastic day, but I know from the feedback that I got on the day and the conversations that I've had since that so many people got so many golden nuggets and so much value from it. Running a business can be a lonely place, but with people like Ian around, it's definitely less so. And Ian, who knows how many people might have just took that one golden nugget or that lesson that they needed to go ahead and completely reshape the future in the business that they're about to build. So massive props for you for uh, for going ahead and doing that. Anyway, that's enough. Ian's had his little uh, spotlight now and his, his pat on the back. So we'll jump straight into today's podcast, but it all hinges from that backstory. Today, I'm talking about video. 
And the reason why I'm specifically launching this podcast today is because on Wednesday, I was humbled to be one of a handful of people to come along and share their story. So I stood up at the room, I kind of told people a bit about how I started my business, how it's grown over the years, the steps that I've taken. And as part of that kind of dialogue, we got talking about video in quite intricate detail. People were asking a lot of questions around video and how I do video and a few things around it. And I've got all the questions at the forefront of my mind. I've got all the information buzzing around in my brain. So whilst it's still fresh, now just felt like a sensible time to kind of brain dump that onto a podcast to try and share that to a broader market for the people who couldn't make the event on Wednesday. So hopefully you can get some ideas to help you either start or level up your video game. Now, I've got a few sort of keynotes and a few questions that stood out from the day just to give this podcast a little bit of structure because otherwise, as agents often do, I'll be sat here wittering on for hours and hours and hours without a great deal of direction. So I'm going to start with the first question, which was plain and simply, why did you start in video in the first place? Now, video is getting more popular. We're starting to see more agents embrace it as part of their business model. And that's not just in property. We're seeing that in different industries across the board. But a few years back when I started with EXP, it wasn't really that common. Um, And I'm going to share with you why I kind of thought that video would always be a key pillar in my, my agency. Now, it's going to sound like I'm going around the houses slightly, pardon that terrible pun, but giving you the background is probably important to give you the relevant context. So a really long story short is that I've worked in property for years and years and years. I've been employed, I've been self-employed, I've run my own businesses, I've grown businesses from a standing start and been fortunate enough to create an exit for myself. Now, before I moved up to the place that I now called home, I had a business over in Manchester that I sold and the equity that I got from that allowed me to buy my first property. Um, That kind of fell into place when my little girl was being born. So I went from literally a a bloke without a care in the world and a rented property to a family man overnight with children, with a husky, with a mortgage to pay. Um, So I had to grow up quite quick. And when I bought this property, I was asset rich in that I was a proud homeowner, but I was cash poor in that every penny that I had virtually went into purchasing that property. So I found myself at a crossroads where I didn't have the money to start a business. And I knew that because I've been self-employed for so long, especially in the property space, I was virtually unemployable. So I decided to look at a different industry, taking on a different challenge, and I found myself working back in fitness. I was a personal trainer, but I was working on the gym floor. I was confined to shift work, and I was often starting the day as early as four or five in the morning, and some nights I wasn't getting home until 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. So as you can imagine for anyone, that's quite a strain on the old work-life balance. It's not ideal for leading um, you know, a, a good lifestyle, and especially with young children in tow, it was anything but optimal. So I did it for a while, but as you can imagine, it started to take its toll after a bit. And I came to this crossroads and I thought, okay, I'm not earning the money that I want to be earning. I've not got the time freedom that I need. I'm not seeing my children as much as I'd like, and I'm not doing the school runs hardly ever. So I knew that something needed to change. And back then I identified a pivot in my business as taking my fitness business online. So the plan was to start doing online fitness coaching to target more people, to service a broader demographic, to have more impact and give myself 
myself more geographical freedom. And that, weirdly enough, is pretty much exactly what I do now with coaching estate agents. But back then, I thought I was going to be doing it in fitness. So when I decided that there was this potential opportunity, I started doing some research. And as people often do, I found myself in a rabbit hole. I started observing online personal trainers that were having success in that particular niche. And I looked at small personal trainers with modest followings of a few hundred up to a few thousand people. And I looked at other online personal trainers that had hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers. And what I found was a common sort of trend um, across that bell curve was that they weren't afraid to share their message. They weren't afraid to get on camera, to give an opinion, to give their perspective, to lean on their experience. And they were delivering that information, which of course in that industry was always relative to uh, nutrition and exercise and lifestyle and sleep. They was giving that input through video. And I found that by them sharing their message on camera and putting their face all over Facebook and Instagram, it allowed them to build an audience. And within that audience, they built a collective of fans. And within those fans, they was able to create a degree of monetization which allowed them to build a business. And that was all through the power of video. They were effectively creating relationships at scale. So when it was that EXP landed on my lap, and I feel very lucky that it did, um, I saw an opportunity commercially to build an agency without the usual barriers to entry and the usual expense. But I knew that the pressure was still on Ben Moore's shoulders to build that business, to give people a reason to instruct me with the sale of their home. And because I saw success leave clues in fitness when it came to video, I absolutely knew that that was a strategy that I had to implement into my property business to allow me again to build a relationship with people at scale, to get that mind share, even if I wasn't getting market share, and to deliver a message and value and confidence to people um, with little friction. So I knew that video was going to be a key component. Then when I started looking specifically into property as an industry, I kind of thought to myself, how lucky are we to have property as a subject matter? Now, if you think people stereotypically, there are a few things that we often like to talk about, our kind of go-to subjects, if you will. At the top of that list, you've got to have weather, right? We love moaning about the weather, whether it's too hot, whether it's too cold, whether it's too wet, whether it's too dry. We love to speak about the weather. We love to learn about each other. We're quite nosy. We like to know what people are up to. And alongside that, we love to learn about properties, aspirational properties that one day we would love to own. And um, we love to scroll through Instagram at property porn websites like, you know, the 5% podcast Instagram page, for example, which is just full of aspirational and luxury properties. We like to look at what the neighbor around the corner is doing, what that property might be worth, what the market conditions are doing, how much money we've made or not made from our properties since we purchased it. However you look at it, property is something that fascinates the public. That's probably why programs like Homes Under the Hammer and Location 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 have all stood the test of time on British TV. It's because we tune in and we like to learn about homes. So once I kind of realized that I started to connect the dots and realized that A, video could be massive for my personal brand and my overall strategy, but B, I'm very lucky to work in property, something that we can all identify with and something that many people like to watch and learn about for whatever reason. So I absolutely knew that video had to be a key part of my agency. So that takes us quite neatly on to the second question, which was, uh, you know, Ben, what impact has video had on your business? Um, it's had a profound impact, is the honest answer. Um, it's done a couple of things. So first off, just kind of building on the point that I made on the previous um, question, video has been a fantastic top of funnel lead generation tool for me. And what I mean by that is that it... Um, 
it, I'm going to use this analogy, right? So bear with me. Again, it's going to sound like I'm going off on a tangent. But if you think of your market, wherever you're based, if you think of your market as a dartboard, and in the middle of that dartboard, you've got the bullseye, and that bullseye represents your business. Now, if you imagine like a ripple effect of circles coming from around that bullseye to the outer rim of the board, you know, getting towards the double 20. And if you think that within every segment, every tier on that board is a layer of customers. Now, the closer they are to the bullseye, the more motivated they are to use your services. So people who are on the bullseye or maybe a ring or two removed, these are people that are either on the market with other estate agents unsuccessfully that need help. They're very motivated to move. They need to sell. They've got a time scale in mind. You know, they're ready to hand over the keys and get out of there, but so far they've not. Or you've got people that are doing the research, they're looking at options, they're kind of assessing the ground, they're getting valuations, they're collecting feedback, they're researching, scrolling through social media, reading reviews. These are people that are primed to make a decision in the coming days or weeks. Now, that segment of the market in any market makes up a minority of the market. Those people are out there and that's your kind of lower hanging fruit that you're likely to convert a bit quicker because they're in a state of mind where they're ready to engage with your business. Now, outside of those people, there's a whole whole host of people on the outer rim of the board that are not necessarily proactively researching estate agents. Why would they? For all they know, they're not looking to move house for years or maybe even decades. They might be quite happy and content um, in the property they're at the moment. They don't know that at some point in the future, they're going to get offered their dream promotion and they're going to have to emigrate to a different country or a different part of the UK um, in order to fulfill that role. They don't know that that baby they've just found out about is actually twins or triplets and they're going to need a third or fourth or fifth bedroom. Um, they don't know that in a couple of years time, they might separate from the partner and they're going to go through a divorce and they're going to need to liquidate those assets. You know, life happens, things are sprung upon us and it's uh, those things that often kind of are the first domino in triggering a move where they do need an agent. So I guess what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is that those people on the outer rim of the board, they're not proactively looking for an agent because they don't need one. But as an agent, as a business owner, you still need to have some kind of um, relationship with those people. So when they do come to move, when they do come to sell, when they come to recommending an agent to a colleague or a friend or a family member, you want to make sure that your name and your face is on their mind somewhere, ideally at the forefront and ideally on the tip of the tongue. So you engage with those people by making broader content. You know, you don't want to be talking about things like the one thing you need to know before you put your house on the market, there are two things that you should be asking an estate agent because that content is only relevant to the people who are near the bullseye on the board, who are ready to convert. The people on the outskirts might not be interested in that type of content, but they might love to learn about, um, you know, the uh, local business owner next door. You might want to interview the local butcher or the baker or the candlestick maker. They might be interested in what's going on, broadly speaking, in their area, what prices are doing so they can work out whether or not they've made a load of money since they purchased the home and they feel better about themselves or whether or not that extension that they did was worthwhile. They might want to look at property tours. They might want to be nosy at what the extension looks like at number 12 because the banging and the hammering's kept them up for six months running and they want to see the, you know, the, the finished article you know, they might be looking at aspirational properties. They might be into your tours and the way that you present things. They might buy into your character and your personality. And for me, kind of accessing this broad demographic of people in the market was much easier to do with the medium of video. So it worked really well for letting people know who I am, what I do, and allowing them to form an opinion as to 
if they like me as a person and what value they see in me as an estate agent. So it's a good um, marketing tool in that respect, but it's also a good filter. And what I mean by that is that people out there are going to absolutely love you. People are going to absolutely not love you. And people are going to be shades of somewhere in the middle of those two pendulum swings. So if people do take the action of following your page, engaging with your content, dropping you a message, jumping on the phone, inviting you out for an appointment, because they've learned about you through a video and they've listened to your message and your opinion, and they've got an idea of your values and who you are, if they come to the point of wanting to do business with you, it's likely that they're going to be a good client because they see value in what you do and they're therefore going to be your kind of people and hopefully you're going to rub along and have a good relationship. But by the other side of the coin, the people that don't see your value, that don't agree with what you say, that don't like your style or your approach, those people are going to be deterred from doing business with you, in which case you kind of wash them out at the top of the funnel rather than investing too much time. So video has been really powerful for attracting clients, but attracting the right type of clients. The second thing that video has done is allow me to have a tangible USP. And by tangible, what I mean is, is that if we all go out to an appointment, if you're a real estate agent or an estate agent, depending on where you are on the planet, and you're sat in front of a potential client and you're having a conversation about how you can help them and maybe why they should instruct your services, we can all stand there and wax lyrical about being the best thing since sliced bread, the best agent, far better than the competition. We do A, B and C. But if all those quote unquote USPs are the same from one agent to the next, the client gets confused. They can't distinguish value from one company to the next company or one person to the next person. And therefore, they're forced to look at things like contract terms and fees and commissions as to who they're going to instruct their business to because everyone sounds the same. So they're going to perceive that everybody is the same. Whereas showing people those videos that we do, it effectively puts the dots out there so they can connect those dots for themselves and work out, okay, this guy is doing something different. This guy has got an approach that I've not seen before. This guy is doing something that agent A, B or C either can't or won't do. This guy has got value. This guy has got a good energy. This guy is the guy to sell my home. And so I put myself out there. They almost make up their mind for themselves that I can add value to that transaction, hopefully get them sold and get them moving at the best possible price. So if they want to work with Ben Moore, for example, based on information they've received, based on content they've consumed based on video tours they've been watching whatever it might be it's almost mine to lose so by the time I go into that appointment alongside two or three other agents that might be being considered it's almost mine to lose because they've already identified the value that I can add because of video before I've even got in the living room um, and sat down with a custard cream and a cup of tea so yeah it works really well for me as a USP but also as a lead generation tool as well for attracting the right clients into the business question three do video tours have to be professional and do they have to be presenter-led? So, I don't know, when it comes to videos, like, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, if I'm going to be honest. I think don't overcomplicate it and don't create, like, barriers to entry in your own mind. Um, I know that, sort of speaking broadly about my video strategy, I've always kind of embraced both. So I've done, um, you know, the sort of DIY content where you've got to shake your hand and you're working on your iPhone, you know, on the way to the coffee shop or after the school run or, you know, between viewings or whatever else. And I think that content serves a really good purpose. I think it's quite authentic. It's quite endearing. It's not overproduced. You've still ultimately got a camera on you that you're speaking to. So you can still, you know, get your personality across and deliver a message with context. So um, I think that's absolutely fine. I only do the um, higher produced stuff when it comes to the actual property tours. And the reason is, is because that's the client's property. That's the business end of the transaction. Um, that acts, as I just said, as a bit of a USP, but also we're showcasing their homes. So I just want to make sure that from a marketing point of view, you know, it's got 
all the bells and whistles and it's being positioned as well as possible. Um, so they're happy, but also to get them the most amount of interest and hopefully the best price. So we do it professionally when it comes to the actual property marketing, but outside of that, the sort of ecosystem of video is, is far more broad. And I think that that sort of DIY non-cinematic content um, can be really endearing as well. So my approach is to kind of do a bit of both, depending on what it is that I'm talking about and what the kind of context of that piece of content is. Um, as for being presenter-led, if I'm honest, I always encourage people to do that. I know it's not comfortable. I know it can be a bit um, daunting. It can be a bit of a drag on your time as well. And there's a degree of effort and planning that needs to go into it. But the reason why I say try and present a led, uh, sorry, try and do present a led tours where you can is because video has over the last few years and will increasingly over the next few years, but get more, get more popular. So as more companies start to do it, as more buyers start to expect it, more consumers, more sellers are going to want that included as part of the marketing package. Now, as it becomes a bit more of a non-negotiable, the reality is, is that any company out there that's got an appetite to embrace video can do video quite simply by calling a cameraman or a woman. And as long as that person's got decent equipment, decent editing software, and they know what they're doing, they can go around and represent any company and do a really good piece of content with nice angles and nice transitions and a nice little backtrack that does its job. That can be completely copied by anybody. So if it is that you're looking to do video seriously, I, I think it's important that you kind of protect the USP of your business, which is ultimately you or your people. So the reason why I like to get on camera is because obviously the property's there as the piece of content, it's the star of the show, if you like. But as the presenter, I kind of look at myself as a close co-star. So although we're selling the property and that's this kind of subject matter, I'm also showcasing my ability to market that property as an estate agent. And the key there is that if people see that and think, oh, that was really good, or that was a bit different, or or I think that could work really well for my property. If it is that a consumer identifies with that, then they have to work with Ben Moore because while somebody else can copy the concept of video, they can't copy me, right? We're all different. We've all got a different style, a different voice, a different way of doing things. And if somebody wants to work with Ben Moore or they like the way that I promote properties or the way that you promote properties, that means that that customer has got to come to my business or your business. So again, it kind of protects that USP. And that's where things like contract terms and fee negotiations just become less relevant because they see the value in what you're doing and therefore don't feel the need to pressure on all the other bits and pieces. So yeah, I definitely encourage present a lead tours where possible. Next question, any tips for DIY content? So I'm going to rattle through this really quick um, because I think the equipment that you need really for the most part is, is a phone really. If you've got a mobile phone, um, it's got a camera, then you just turn it on and you look at the lens and you start speaking. And what that's going to do in the first instance is just get you comfortable speaking to camera. Again, whether you've got a camera crew and you've got a you know, really expensive, fancy camera that you're kind of presenting into, or whether you're staring into the back of an iPhone, a camera is a camera and something really weird happens um, when you first start doing videos, as some of you might be able to relate to. You sort of hit record, you look in the lens and you just, for a millisecond, you forget how to be a human. Your mind goes blank, you feel a bit nervous, you don't know what to say, you don't know where to start. And, uh, you know, it takes a bit of practice and a bit of repetition to find your stride, to build confidence and to get better at your delivery. So even if you sat in front of your camera phone in your dining room recording a video, at least that's somewhere it gets you confident, it gets you comfortable speaking into a lens. And like anything, the more you do it, the more you repeat it, 
the easier it gets, the less daunting it becomes, and the better the quality of content will be as a result. So definitely just start with the mobile phone. If you want to start investing into it and getting some equipment, I think a tripod is a good place to start just so you can make sure that you've got the right sort of angles. And maybe you could play with lighting if you wanted to. And there's some excellent YouTube tutorials about how to modify the lighting to improve the visuals. And but I think maybe a microphone would be more pressing. If you're going to invest in anything, I'd say a tripod and a mic which again you can pick up fairly inexpensively looking at Amazon. Um, in terms of actual um, sort of editing um, editing kit software, I like to keep the uh, barrier to entry as low as possible. So the easiest one that I found that is really um, straightforward to get your head around, but it does everything that you'll need it to do at this stage, is an app called InShot. That's I-N-S-H-O-T. Um, I think there is a free version, but I'm pretty sure the paid version is, is fairly minimal. It might be a few quid a year or whatever. So I think it's worth paying for the paid version. One, to get the, the sort of watermarks off, but second to that, you just get more features, more transitions, more choice of music and backtracks and sound effects and things but that allows you to do all sorts so you can record your videos into it you can put text on your videos you can change the filters you can apply music um, you can do different transitions if you wanted to um, you can do what's called um, sort of layering b-roll which they call a pip pip is the setting on the app and that effectively means that as you're talking you can layer in different clips over the top so for example if you're stood outside a property and you're introducing the home and you're mentioned that it's got a wonderfully um, you know, modernized kitchen that's been extended, what you can do is as you're talking about that kitchen, you can copy over video footage of said kitchen over the dialogue. And I think that just gives it slightly more um, of a professional quality, but it also breaks up the content. It breaks up the visuals. It makes it more engaging and you're more likely to retain people. So yeah, if you are looking to do DIY content, my number one tip is just start, build your confidence and, and get comfortable doing it, build it into your routine, ingrain it as part of your habits. Um, but in terms of kit, tripods, microphones, possibly lighting, depending on how pernickety you are about the visual, uh, but ultimately in shot for doing your editing. And the best thing is you can do it all from your phone. So you don't need to be transferring clips and jumping onto laptops or buying expensive software or anything like that. Uh, how long does it take to film one of your tours and how much planning goes into it? <clears throat> um, so yeah, so when it comes to the planning side of it, I'll just kind of pick up on that first. I always encourage input from the side of the owners. Now they've got stories and anecdotes and things that they found or enjoyed about living in that property over the years. And they're going to know that home on a level that's just not possible for us as agents to pick up on after, you know, a, a quick 60 minute valuation or whatever. So I like to hear their stories, how they have used the space, what changes they've made over the years, why they made those changes, how that's impacted on their lives and on their families. For example, if they've got a big open garden, that might have been the backdrop to, you know, prom graduation night for all three of their children. If they've got a huge, gorgeous bay window, maybe that was the perfect setting for a real Christmas tree over the last 15 years. You know, it's these little things, these stories, this um, sort of insight that builds emotion with people, but ultimately gives you a better piece of content as a result that both you're proud of and the owner's proud of. So it's really nice to get their input. And they might tell you things about the property that don't immediately spring to mind when you're walking into the room. 
room, you know, features like, you know, hot taps and underfloor heating, things that you might not necessarily be able to see or, or, or kind of register at a first glance. It's just good to have those bits and pieces down so you can make sure that you, uh, you know, you include the important bits as part of the final video. So the first thing I'll do is always encourage the vendor to send me an email or a message detailing whatever bits and pieces they consider to be important. Some people will give me full verse and chapter, other times they just tell me to get on with it. But I invite that conversation anyway, because I find it quite helpful. And um, when it comes to the planning of the video from my side, um, the way that I like to do it is on the day of the video, and this sounds a little bit last minute, but it's just the way that I work as to not overthink things. Um, the day of the video, I'll always walk my dog in the morning, we'll get up nice and early, um, get some fresh air, walk through the countryside, and I'll blow off the cobwebs and I'll start thinking about the home, I'll start thinking about where we're going to introduce the property from. Um, the target demographic, I'll consider what they're going to find important from a location and a property. And that sort of headspace that I get on that hour in the morning will normally form most of the first couple of minutes of the video. And I record that and when we get to the property, um, I won't say we make it up as we go along. There's some sort of loose structure that I've got in my mind, but we won't overthink it. We don't over script it. We just kind of shoot and, and go through it on the day. And I'm really lucky that the people that I work with in terms of the camera crew that I've got, I get along with them really well. You know, I respect that they're creatively minded. They're brilliant at editing videos. I trust them 100% with making sure that we nail that property as well as we can. But they also trust me as the salesperson, as the person who deals with the buyers and gets the questions, but the content that I'm going through or the things that I want to capture are going to be relevant and important for that final piece. So we work together really well and kind of plan and strategize as we're going around. Something we've started doing more recently, which has actually helped us save time, is before we start filming, we actually walk around the property, we discuss each room, we'll make a few notes, we'll take um, you know a few key points down and we use that as a structure to follow on the way around. So when we get into each different room, we're not sort of looking around and picking things up and working things out. We've already got a basis that we're going to be following and it allows us to hit record and kind of push through with relative ease so yeah when it comes to um planning um there's a little bit that goes into it but i think it's worth it for the final product that we get and in terms of how long it takes, I normally just block out a day. So I'll ask for an empty house. I'll ask the owner um, if they can vacate the property for the day. That's brilliant. Uh, we always try and get wrapped up if we can by about three o'clock, but sometimes it can be a bit sooner. Sometimes it can run over. Just depends on all sorts of things. You know, how long it takes to get the right takes, lighting, whether or not it rains, whether we get stopped by people when we're filming outside. You know, there's a whole lot that goes into it, but typically it's sort of a nine till three type day. So about six hours is the length of time that we're there filming. So it is quite full on. Um, but again, I think it just gives people confidence that we're giving their property the effort and the thought and the consideration that it deserves and that it needs to maybe get them the best price. Um, and the final question is about costings and the commercial elements. So, you know, what's a rough cost on doing a video like that? And how do I factor that into my package? So I think it's pretty pointless me giving you a cost because in my experience the cost of a camera person can vary massively depending on where you are in the country and depending what you want from them so obviously the more filming time it's going to be or maybe the harder it's going to be for them to edit depending on the complexities is going to impact on the quote that you get so if you're not doing a presenter-led tour or if your input as an estate agent is going to be fairly minimal then of course the cost is going to be cheaper because there's less stop start there's no fumbling lines they're not having to follow you around for hours 
hours and hours at an end. Um, and I'd argue that probably the, the final edit is a bit quicker for them to do as well without piecing together your audio and, and kind of getting your face in every shot. So there are ways to make it more expensive and ways to make it less expensive. It just depends on what kind of videos you want to be doing and what you want from the camera person effectively in terms of what they're going to charge. But the best way to get an accurate cost is to effectively speak to a local creative, have a chat with them, let them know what you're thinking, what you're looking for, and be very honest in terms of the volume you can get over to them. And maybe they can work out a package that fits based on an ongoing working relationship. So yeah, the, the, the cost fluctuates. But in terms of how I layer that into my package, and this is just how I do it. I'm not saying this is how you have to do it. I'm not saying it's the right or the only way to do it, but I just found that this worked best for me. Now, when I first started doing videos as a startup, of course, you've got one eye on the budget. You've not got unlimited funds and cash flow is really important, especially in those early stages. Quite frankly, I couldn't afford to be paying cameramen um, you know, endless amounts of money to do videos as much as I'd love to. So what I decided was that I needed to come up with a package that in a word was fair. And in my mind, I didn't think it was fair as a small business owner that I potentially spend thousands of pounds up front and then become at the mercy of other people's plans or changes of mind. So for example, if I invest a load of money, that I can't really afford to into doing a video for someone's home. And then in two weeks, they decide that they don't want to work with me or they're going to try a different agent or that they no longer need to sell and the plans have changed or whatever else. I didn't consider it fair that I'd be out of pocket and at financial risk because they've changed their mind. But also I um, charge a sensible fee when the sale does complete. You know, I get paid quite well for the service that we offer. So I didn't think it was fair to the client that if they're paying me a, a fairly chunky agency fee to get the house sold for them, that they should be paying out on top of that anyway, again, for the content that's allowed me to get that result. So, you know, what I kind of came up with was a setup where the client makes a payment towards the cameraman for his time. So I don't get paid at all for planning or presenting. I only get paid when the sale completes, but they cover the cost of the cameraman's time for filming and editing. That's non-refundable. So if they do change their mind, that's okay. They don't have to pay me anything, but the cost that they've paid the cameraman, unfortunately, isn't refundable because that's gone to that person. But when the sale completes, I reimburse the cost of video against my fee on completion. So that way, when it does go through, the client's not paying again on top of the agency fee. It gets absorbed from my final commission on the end. So that's really good for giving the client some skin in the game and kind of sharing that risk on the front end, but also it gives them peace of mind of knowing when the sale does complete, they're not going to be stung for it. It also helps my cash flow in the short term and gives me great content that I can use to, you know, sort of showcase the property, but showcase my ability and my service as an estate agent, again, to help encourage the next wave of sellers that might be considering moving. So that just felt like the fairest way to do it from my side. So guys, those are the key sort of handful of questions or points that I felt worthy of highlighting today. In the show notes, I'm going to link maybe a property tour or two so you can see an example of how we format our tours and to give you some ideas on how you might want to do it. But if you've got any questions, important questions that maybe we've not covered on today's podcast, I'm more than happy to either do a separate recording, again, if it warrants it, or have a chat to you directly. I'm always happy to find time, send a message back, shoot you a voice note, whatever you might need. Uh, feel free to reach out directly through social media. Anyway, for now, thanks for listening and I'll see you on the next one.